Okay, so the last of the four perspectives on um, understanding personality uh, is a trait perspective. Now, um, in our history of psychology early on in the semester, we didn't run into a trait perspective within the field of psychology. And that's really because this is, um, uh, this is really a perspective within personality psychology. Uh, trait theorists really only have stuff to say about personality theory and not about anything beyond that about uh, so it's kind of within personality theory it's not an overall movement within psychology um, <clears throat> uh, trait perspectives though are um, essentially based on uh, the idea that um, that an individual's personality is going to be made up of a bunch of different component parts uh, that you might think of as building blocks uh, and that those building blocks are traits and that um, each of us has a different mix of these traits that makes up our personality now, the emphasis here <clears throat> in trait perspectives uh, has usually been that these personality traits are inborn. That is, that um, they uh, are part of our probably genetic makeup and they're there when we're born um, and that they are inherited. And so occasionally uh, textbooks uh, will refer to this as a biological perspective with the idea that, um, you know, somewhere this must be, these traits must be um, uh, carried biologically. Um, uh, however, since, um, since that part of it is kind of a big question mark about how that would actually work, uh, a lot of textbooks, including yours, I believe, uh, refer to this just as a trait perspective um, with the possibility that these things could be inborn. <clears throat> However, many of the trait theorists, like Hans Eysenck, uh, were strong proponents of the idea that, um, that a person's personality was determined by their genes. Uh, Eysenck studied um, a handful of personality characteristics. Uh, the one that he was most interested in <clears throat> was a dimension of extroversion to introversion. Now, you're probably familiar with these terms, extroversion, um, meaning a characteristic or trait of being sociable and outgoing and wanting to be around people and gregarious and things like that, whereas introversion, wanting to be withdrawn from people in a sense and um, uh, uh, not necessarily shy, but more, um, but less sociable in a sense, right? Uh, I think um, put a lot of his effort uh, put a lot of his emphasis on this uh, trait of extrovert, this dimension of extroversion to introversion, uh, and he um, he uh, believed that this was strongly determined by genes, um, that um, that a individual person's level of extroversion or introversion was in, essentially inherited. Now. In truth, um, I think is uh, is a bit of an extremist here in the trade perspective, because I think was one who believed that one hundred percent of a person's personality is inherited. Um, <clears throat> I don't think most trait theorists would actually go that far and say that it's 100%. They would tend to say that it's most of a person's personality is inherited through traits. Um, uh, but, um, but they would often allow for other possibilities to, um, to creep in to affect somebody's personality. So I think was, you know, a, a little bit different than some of the other trait um, theorists in that he said it was all due to, due to um, uh, genetics. Um, and, um, and in this kind of field, what they would do is studies of behavioral genetics, where they would look at relationships 
uh, relatedness of people, people of known relatedness to one another, like identical twins, uh, like first-degree relatives, second-degree relatives, uh, and look at um, uh, estimating how much they're similar in particular traits. And, you know, what Ising found for the trait of extroversion was a fairly high level of heritability. Um, I think he reported something like uh, 61% uh, heritability of extroversion and introversion. I, I think that's right. Um, which would seem to be a fairly strong level, right? Um, uh, not the hundred percent that he said, but um, uh, but um, something high up there. Now, um, over the years in trait psychology, uh, trait perspectives. If we go to slide number twenty-one, uh, in trait perspectives in psychology, um, a lot of people have tried to figure out: okay, if there are these basic building blocks of personality, what are the building blocks? That is, what are the important traits? That we would need to look at in order to make up um, a person's personality, right? And so there were lots and lots of these different trait models of uh, you know sixteen traits and sixty-four traits and you know all sorts of different uh, numbers of traits and um, and they looked at uh, models of how there may be basic uh, primary traits and then secondary traits that build on those and all these sort of things to try to figure it out. Luckily for you and for me, <laughs> we don't have to go through all of those uh, trait models because um, what happened eventually over the years was that um, many of the trait theorists realized that there were some personality traits that just kept coming up in everybody's model. Um, and so essentially by consensus, they decided that these must be important for understanding personality. And these came to be known as the big five personality traits. And you can see on this slide, number 21, I believe it is, uh, that um, uh, I've arranged them so that the first letters of each one spells out the word ocean. Uh, that's a memory trick. That's a mnemonic, right, for remembering these. Um, and again, these um, these were just uh, traits that everybody's model seemed to include, so they kind of decided that they must be important overall. Um, uh, now, each of these personality traits, then, in the Big Five, is not an either-or, not a you have it or you don't, but a range uh, of differences so that, um, so that you could essentially plot where an individual person is on an overall scale of openness to experience high, medium, low, anywhere in between, right? So you got to think of each of these as a range. Um, uh, most of these, I think, are kind of um, obvious what they mean, I guess. Uh, openness to experience, meaning, you know, wanting to uh, try new things. If you're low in that, then you tend to be more, um, you know, set in your ways and not real adventurous or adventuresome or something. Uh, conscientiousness has to do with attention to detail. So somebody who's high in conscientiousness, you know, is very careful about fulfilling responsibilities and going by um, the rules and stuff like that. Uh, whereas somebody who's low in conscientiousness is liable to be careless, maybe even not trustworthy, uh, other things like that. Extroversion, already sort of mentioned, um, uh, being high in extroversion, eh, generally being sociable, uh, being low in extroversion, or what we might call introversion, being uh, more socially reserved. Agreeableness, if you're high in agreeableness, then you know you're easy to get along with, um, laid back, I guess. Uh, if you're low in agreeableness, then you tend to be more mm, uh, argumentative, maybe even hostile. Right? Uh, neuroticism is one that might not um, 
the meaning of it might not jump out at you. Uh, neuroticism actually refers to emotional instability. And so somebody who's high in neuroticism would be seen by other people often as being very emotional or very driven by their emotions and very changeable in their emotions. Um, and, um, somebody who's low in neuroticism is liable to be somebody who's not particularly driven by emotions and much more, I don't know, logical or in their head kind of person, right? So this overall model then um, would essentially say that even though there are five proposed here uh, basic personality traits, that since each one is a range, um, that they could be put together in basically an infinite number of ways to make an infinite number of individual personalities, right? So, um, so I'm pointing out that it that it does that this theory does meet the um, uh, criterion for um, uh, for a, a personality theory in that it is able to um, uh, account for distinctiveness in personality, how there can be so many personalities and there can be so many different personalities uh, in the world, right? Um, <clears throat> let's see, uh, uh, people are often interested in trait theories and, um, I don't know, there's, um, there's a tendency for people, I think, just to sort of assume that they must be, tr that trait theories must be true. Um, and, um, <clears throat> so a lot of times people go into trait theories kind of uncritically. Um, but consider that, um, if traits were true, that would mean that, um, that we would expect a good deal of consistency in people's, um, uh, behavior. That is, if you have a trait of, you know, I don't know, let's just say conscientiousness. Let's say you're very high in conscientiousness. Well, then that's going to that's going to predict. That's going to say that you're going to be conscientious all the time in all situations and across your whole life, which is not what we see in actual people. Right? People uh, are more variable than that. The other thing that um, uh, that people don't always realize at first glance in looking at trait models is since the assumption is these are largely biologically based, uh, that's the basis of the trait theory or the trait perspective, um, that would mean that a person actually doesn't have much say in their own personality, um, that you don't actually make yourself a certain way, that you just kind of become that way because that's what your genes were, right? Uh, just like you don't get to choose your eye color or your skin tone or stuff like that. That's all in your genetics. And, um, you know, <laughs> uh, we generally don't get to, um, uh, have a say in that sort of stuff. Right. And it would be the same for, um, for personality and personality traits if they were in, um, uh, trait models. Um, let's see, uh, there does seem to be part of a trait perspective, or at least something a little bit more basic than a trait perspective that does seem to be biological. So if we go to slide number 22, um, we come to the topic of temperament. Now, temperament is a bit different than personality. You might think of temperament as being at a more basic biological level. Um, studies of temperament look at uh, differences in even newborn babies and, um, and how different newborn babies will, uh, you know, have different levels of activity or um, different uh, uh, different ability to uh, fall into routines easily or different amounts of sociability or irritability or things like that. And with studies of temperament, they found some of these differences so early on in babies that it seems pretty unlikely that these are learned things. It's more like these are um, uh, inborn. And there are some basic components to temperament um, that have to do with overall activity level, you know, how much activity you, you tend to like in your uh, or 
uh, in your life, um, emotionality, uh, and sociability, how much you like to be around other people. And it may be that, um, that these basic differences in temperament are the part of personality that comes to us through biology that we are inborn with. Um, the theory would then go on to say that, um, that essentially um, a person's temperament that they're born with is just sort of the, some basic um, tendencies. However, that temperament is going to impact how they interact with the world and how other people interact with them. Um, uh, studies from uh, a long time ago, even looking at temperament, found that um, parents interacted with children differently depending upon the child's temperament. And um, if you've ever heard uh, kids or babies described as an easy child or a difficult child or a slow to warm up child, these are all essentially um, uh, differences in temperament, right? And so that um, uh, the, the child's temperamental style is liable to influence how other people interact with them in kind of a reciprocal uh, sense, uh, back and forth uh, 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 interaction. And um, so, um, so that may be uh, what then forms the rest of the person's personality, often through learning and experience. If we move on to slide number 23, uh, look at um, summary and critical analysis of trait perspectives. Um, so the, the emphasis from this perspective is on uh, genetic influence or um, that these personality traits must be inborn. Um, the, um, and that would indicate that people don't really have a whole lot of say in their personality. Uh, a lot of individual choice in making their personality at um, at an extreme sense at an extreme range like somebody like Hans Eysenck would predict that um, that a person's um, uh, the way that a person is raised uh, really doesn't have anything to do with the kind of person they become that um, you know if you yourself were born in a different family or in a different culture or in a different time period I think, and most trait theorists would predict that you actually would end up being pretty much the same person you are now, despite those differences, because he would say that those differences don't really influence our personality. That's a little bit hard um, for a lot of people to um, uh, to accept, right? That um, that we it could be that fixed um, in our personalities. But that's what the trait perspectives would say. Um, these perspectives are also going to um, predict that traits are going to be stable across situations. That is, um, you know, moment to moment, moving from situations in your daily life, and also across the lifespan. This is also a little bit hard for, um, you know, this goes against what we know a lot about uh, human behavior. Um, there is some scientific evidence for this episode. Uh, for this approach. Um, there's a fair amount of scientific evidence for this approach. Um, the evidence, though, uh, is based upon research that would use personality tests. Now, we haven't talked about personality tests yet, and we will, but uh, let me just throw out at this point that if there's a problem with the personality tests, that is the measurements that are being used, then that would undermine a lot of this research, that maybe they're not actually um, measuring uh, true personality traits, but they may be measuring something else. Uh, and so it can look like things are 
um, stable and influenced by genetics when they may not really be, right? I'll get more into that uh, in talking a little bit later about personality tests, but all of the research for um, trait perspectives is going to rely on tests, uh, personality tests, and if personality tests are flawed, well, that uh, undermines a lot of that research. Um, we could say as a criticism that there is no comprehensive biological theory of trait perspectives. I'm not sure that this is a, uh, a terribly important kind of criticism. Um, just because we don't know something or just because we haven't been able to explain it doesn't mean it's not true. I mean, that's, you know, that's an argument to ignorance and that's not logical, um, but, um, uh, or an appeal to ignorance, sorry. Um, but, um, uh, but let's see, the, the idea here is that if it were true that um, the traits are coded for in genes, like physical traits are coded for in genes, then, um, then we should know something about how that might work. How do we go from DNA to um, emotional expression and behavior and uh, uh, ways of thinking, right? Um, what's the link there? Um, and um, and nobody has a real good idea of how that might work, right? Again, like I said, that's not necessarily a, uh, a terrible criticism just because we don't know it, um, but you would think that we'd probably be able to have some idea about um, about how this might work. So as yet, no comprehensive biological theory. <clears throat> Still, as I say, uh, trait perspectives on personality just seem to be, um, I don't know, fairly popular. Every few years there are, there are you know, trendy new kinds of uh, um, uh, typologies of people, you know, what's your type and let's take a test to figure out what our types are and, you know, all this sort of stuff. And a lot of people seem to be interested in that. When it comes right down to it, the research on that is not really very good. <clears throat> Okay, uh, on the next slide, um, slide number 24, um, uh, essentially what we've got here in this area of personality is we've got four different perspectives on looking at personality. Um, and so, um, so as I said in an earlier recording, one of the things that you want to focus on is how these perspectives are different from one another, how they're distinct. Um, it's kind of easy to see where they're similar on things, um, but, um, uh, you know, focus on differences, trying to keep them straight in your mind so that uh, if, you know, somebody uh, describes a certain um, uh, theoretical viewpoint on personality, you can line that up with, oh, that sounds like something that Freud would say, or that sounds like something that Rogers would say, or something like that, right? And so to a large extent, I think it's useful um, in uh, in this kind of material to um, to associate ideas with people, uh, people's names. And so what I've listed on this slide uh, are the um, uh, important theorists that you would need to know with each perspective, right? Um, and also the five-factor model for the trait perspectives, right? Uh, so if that helps you to keep the ideas straight, then, um, then use that um, <clears throat> uh, as a summary. <clears throat> 